You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. This morning, I congratulate Patrick on his new extension, and then he said he wanted to get this thing done today. Lindholm a shot, and he scores! Just like that! As we've shown, and Jim has shown in the history, uh, we're, we're not going to just sit and wait. Snaffleupagus? No, I'm not feeling that. I don't need that right now. I'm going to roll with Elmo. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning, Mike. Basketball Ben, good morning to you. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Jason Halford. sounds a little different today. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. It is hour one of the program. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Good morning. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by over five or by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. boy. Got a big show on a Thursday. Folks, it has happened. The Canucks have gone big game hunting, and they have landed one of the biggest targets at this year's NHL trade deadline, way ahead of the trade deadline. But most importantly, Jason... They have saved us from starting the show with an encapsulating recap of the Sharks and Ducks game from last night. So kudos to you, Patrick Alvin. You are the gift that keeps on giving. Got a big show ahead. As far as the guest list goes, uh, it begins at 7 o'clock. Patrick Burke is going to join us from the National Hockey League. Now, his job title is VP of Player Safety. But we're bringing him on because Patrick's other job is to oversee all, quote-unquote, hockey-specific aspects of the NHL skills competition, Jason. You know, I was looking at the details for the NHL uh, skills competition and seeing, first of all, seeing uh, a bunch of Canucks that are going to participate in this, including Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. I am kind of interested in the skills competition because it is streamlined. I think that's probably the best way to put it. There doesn't seem to be as much gimmicky, weird stuff. Fluff, if you will. Dunk tanks. It's just, you know, NHL faster skaters, um, you know, harder shot, stick handling. And it's not, it's not like you have to, I think the whole point of it is you want the real superstars to be participating in this stuff. Yeah. So we'll talk to like, like for example, um, uh, the the fastest skater is McDavid, William Nylander, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, Matthew Barzell. Mm-hmm. 
They got yeah, it, I, think, I want to see that competition. I think they got it right. We'll talk to Patrick Burke about the revamp of the skills competition. Also, the role that Connor McDavid played in said revamp. That's coming up at 7 o'clock. Uh, 7.30, Paul Grant is going to join the program. He is a senior editor for Sportsnet.ca. Uh, he has been working extensively reporting out uh, the 2018 Canadian Junior Team and the fallout that happened this past week. So we'll talk to Paul Grant about that at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, fear not, we do have someone on the show to talk about the big Elias Lindholm trade. Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks talk will break everything down. It was a big trade. The uh, Dunbar Lumber text message in basket is loaded, loaded with text. People are excited. They want to hear about it. I don't blame them. So without further ado, I won't even run through the guest list again. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I was going to make a joke that we were going to start with Lewis Hamilton's move to Ferrari, but I won't even put you folks through the quote-unquote joke. Let's just get right into it. The Vancouver Canucks make a huge splash. Not just ahead of the trade deadline, everybody, but ahead of the NHL All-Star game. The details are as follows. To Vancouver, welcome Elias Lindholm, the former Calgary Flame. Now a member of the Vancouver Canucks means the Vancouver Canucks have yet another All-Star at the All-Star game in Toronto. To Calgary, the package includes Andre Kuzmenko, fare thee well, sweet prince. Prospects Hunter Brusewicz and Yoni Yermo, a 2024 first-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick. The condition on that pick, if the Canucks make it to the Western Conference Final this year, that gets upgraded to a third-round pick for Craig Conroy. Not Yermo. Not Yermo. They got rid of Yermo? Uh, Brusewicz, as everybody knows, was a third-round pick in this year's draft and has had a tremendous year in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, Yermo was also a third-round pick many years ago. Everybody knows the story about Kuzmenko, so I don't need to relitigate that. Kuzmenko did need to waive his no-trade clause because Calgary was originally on the ant list, but he decided, you know what, after speaking with my agent, Dan Milstein, and realizing that things aren't going to get any better in Vancouver, he accepted a move to Calgary. Finally, no salary retention anywhere. It's all systems go. The trade is in the books. I am excited. Okay, uh, I'm just going to go around the room here, and you say yes or no Okay, whether you like the trade for the Canucks. Halford? Yes, 100% love it. Okay, just a, just just say yes or no. Love but it. Basketball, Ben? I thought we were only doing one word. Just one word, yeah. Halford. Yes. Okay, good. We. Uh, uh, oui. Okay, uh, Laddie went with the French version of yes, and I too will say yes. I like this trade for the Canucks. Uh, so let's run through a bunch of questions that you might have about this. What are the Canucks getting in Elias Lindholm? Uh, Patrick Galvin, here's the quote. Uh, we feel that he vastly improves our hockey team. He is a proven frontline performer and will give head coach t- uh, Rick Tockett some more options when putting together our top two lines. Um, yeah, this basically gives Tockett the option to load up the lotto line if he wants to, and he can have Lindholm as the 2C, or he can push Lindholm to the wing to play with Petey, or even push Petey to the wing to play with Lindholm. So many options. Um, plus, I would say it provides some nice insurance against an injury to any of the Canucks centers. 
Um, he's also a right shot center, uh, which they don't really have because they haven't used Sam Lafferty as a center much. Uh, he's a right shot center that wins draws. Uh, and Lafferty, I haven't looked at the stats lately, but he wasn't winning a lot of draws. Um, Lindholm plays on the power play. Pew Suter might be upset to see Leas Lindholm come in because I think he might have lost his power play spot. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and they can use Lindholm on the PK as well. This is a guy that a couple of years ago finished second in the Selkie voting to Patrice Bergeron. So he is a two-way center. Mm-hmm. This, there's no concerns about his defensive play. This season, there might be a little concern about his offensive play, but we'll get into that a little later. Thomas Drance, who we will have on a little later in the show, um, wrote, it's hard to imagine a better fit for Vancouver than Lindholm. Uh, for more on this, let's go now to NHL Network's Mike Kelly, who we had on the show on a number of times. Uh, further details, further depth, further sinking our teeth into exactly what Elias Lindholm brings to the Vancouver Canucks. Here's Mike Kelly in the aftermath of yesterday's trade on what the Canucks are getting in Lindholm. You know, and Elias Lindholm, what he brings to now the Vancouver Canucks is to me significant. And and this is a player who's had a bit of a downward trend the last couple of years. You take a look at his three-year weighted average, and this is how I evaluate players with a larger sample size. His percentile ranks among forwards in the league. Shooting, playmaking, defense, he's a very good defensive center. Uh, and he's an all-manpower, all-situations guy. He went face-offs. He literally can do anything. The people in the league have referred to him as the fixer because you can put him with guys and he'll get their game going. Um, he can play with just about anybody. So this gives Vancouver great options in their top six, whether you want to load up the lotto line and have Lindholm as your second-line center. I like the idea of taking their big four now at forward and doing two pairs, but they've got options. And some people are down on Lindholm right now. I'm telling you this, as a person, as a player, I think Elias Lindholm is fantastic and is going to be fantastic with the Vancouver Canucks and exactly the kind of guy you want if you're a contending team and a playoff team. I'm a believer Lindholm bounces back and provides great value to Vancouver. I like that nickname, the fixer. Yeah. And, and That's I, cool. I, like, I woke up and there's a body in the room. Lindholm's like, I'll take care of it. <laughs> Go get some bleach. Uh, I think the... I think the big thing here is the versatility that right now, and it's it, this speaks in t- two ways, really. Like Lindholm's a versatile player. Like you mentioned, he's the fixer. He can play with a lot of different guys. You can bump him out to the wing. You can play him down the middle. But it gives Rick Tockett a lot of versatility. And what he's saying about the pairs, what Mike Kelly's saying about the pairs, is I think is very important here. Mm-hmm. Because, look, in a playoff series, when you're going up against the same matchups night after night after night, it is a nice option to be able to throw different looks at your opposition, especially when you've got last change, right? And now you're talking about it. I mean, that's... Or especially when you don't, actually. You yeah, know, like, either or, right? Not, I mean, take your take your pick. You don't, you you don't may, get pigeonholed. Yeah, I th- and then um, I think the most obvious one here is look at the depth down the middle now when you're talking about what the Canucks could conceivably roll out for their mm-hmm. top three centers, right? Now, people have pointed out uh, that the Canucks have had depth down the middle like this when they had Horvat because they had Pedersen, Miller, and Horvat. I like Lindholm defensively a fair amount better than I liked Horvat defensively. I think Horvat had more offense 
and has shown more offense, although Lindholm had a really good season a couple of years ago when he played with Kachuk and Goudreau. Yep. So I think if you put him with a guy like Pedersen, hopefully, hopefully the, there's more offense. But I think Elias Lindholm defensively probably has better instincts than Horvat did. And also, it's a little bit unfair to Horvat. Well, I don't know if it's unfair to Horvat, but the advantage the Canucks have with Lindholm is that they now have a bottom six. Okay, before we continue on what the Canucks are getting here, we should talk about what's going out. How much did the Vancouver Canucks give up here? Are we all comfortable with the price paid? Uh, And are we going to miss Andre Kuzmenko? Maybe not necessarily for the on-ice stuff, but for his personality and his stair-running ability. Well, I mean, I see every piece that the Canucks gave up as a bit of a wild card. Um, we've all seen what Kuzmenko can do. He scored 39 goals last season, but can he play a winning brand of hockey? Clearly, he didn't fit with Tockett's system. They worked hard with him. This isn't something that they wanted to do. It wasn't the plan at the beginning of the season to trade Andre Kuzmenko for what could end up being a rental. Uh, we'll talk about that later, by the way, too. Sure. Um, so Kuzmenko, I see as a bit of a wild card. I could see him bouncing back and scoring a bunch of goals. I could also see him frustrating other coaches in the NHL. Um, a late first round pick is, and hopefully it's a late first round pick. It could be 32nd overall at this point. Well, yeah, it could be. Dare, yeah. to, dare to dream, folks. Um, it's a lot different than a top 10 or a top 15 pick. So keep winning, boys, including in the playoffs. Um, so that could be anything. Um, they might the, the Flames might make a good pick. They might make a bad pick. Who knows on that? That's a wild card. We all know it is. Uh, Bruskevich um, is having an incredible season in the OHL. Um, but here's the thing. For Vancouver, I feel like this is a guy that might have ended up in a similar situation to Jack Rathbone, i.e. he's blocked out by Quinn Hughes to make the best use of his talents. Like you look at you look at his numbers in the OHL, you're like, wow, what a great offensive defenseman. What would he be with the Canucks? Like what what is he gonna like Quinn? I've got the power play from here. Yeah. Don't worry about it, right? So, look, I'm not saying uh, I, I, like I think he was he was a really smart player for the Flames to target. You sure. know, like get a guy that might be redundant a little bit in the Canucks system. Um, Yermo is a big dude who skates pretty well. I'm not sure he's dynamic enough to play in the NHL, um, and I'm not sure he was long for the Canucks organization anyway. Um, and there's also a conditional fourth round pick in there. So, you know, in, in terms of where I value the pieces, I mean, if Kuzmenko bounces back, that's good for Calgary. If they make a good pick in the first round, that's good for Calgary. And if they have a role and Bruskevich turns into a player, that's good for Calgary. But I think what Lindholm brings to the Canucks in this very special season for me that's just a worthwhile gamble. I think the the biggest story of the outgoing package is what wasn't included in it. To me, that was the big thing. That's a good point. They didn't give up Lecker or Mackey. They didn't give up Willander or Vlander. 
Uh, they didn't give up anyone from the roster in AHL Abbotsford. And the only no Pod Coles and no Ratu. And the only reason I bring that up is because those guys are closer to the National Hockey League than Bruce Davidge. No Holglander. And they didn't take anyone off the active roster aside from Kuzmenko. And you could argue that when they're at their best, Kuzmenko might not have been on the active roster anyway because he'd been a healthy scratch so many times this season. Not giving up Hoaglander was a big deal as well. So, you know, I saw a couple people say, Craig Conroy might have erred in his judgment going with quantity over quality in terms of the return because the sticker price, I think you look at it and you're like, wow, look at all these assets they got for one player. Mm -hmm. But you start to really dive into those assets and you say, well, from the pool in which they were drawn, you definitely didn't get the best assets. That was my initial take. Now, is it a bit of a homer take because we're on your home at Canucks Sportsnet 650? Maybe. But I also like to think that I look at this stuff, stuff objectively. And to me, if I'm Calgary today, I'm saying we got a lot of pieces in return for Lindholm. I'm not super enamored with the pieces that we got. I think you did pretty well. You know, I think he got a good young defensive prospect in uh, Bruskevich. Uh, the first round pick is the first round pick. And Kuzmenko, they need goal scoring in Calgary. And he's going to be put in a position where he's going to get a lot more opportunity he, than he did in Vancouver because they need goal scoring. And you never know. They might be able to, let's say he, he bounces back and he's like, forget this season. Let's say he comes back next season and he's scoring at a good rate. Even if they don't want to keep him, they could flip him at the deadline for mm-hmm. something. So I, I, I think Craig Conroy did okay. Um, I just want to jump in here real quick. I wanted to go off on a tangent. We've got a million questions we're going to answer here. Uh, we're going to spend the entire first hour talking about this trade, right? I mean, we've got yeah. a lot of notes and a lot of things we want to get into. Go off on your tangent. I did find about a minute 15 clip of Craig Conroy talking about how this trade came to fruition. Sure. And I thought that was important because Patrick Alvin yesterday, what was celebrating his new contract extension, and a funny anecdote, uh, Fan590 in Toronto got a hold of me yesterday, and they're like, hey, can you come on the show uh, right at the end of our show, Kipper and Bourne, to talk about the trade or talk about the, the Alvin extension? And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I'll do it 100%. Then they got back to me about an hour later and they're like, we're bumping you because we got Patrick Alvin. And then he didn't appear on the show. I don't and then think. he bailed on the show. I think he was like asleep in his office or something like I that. Think he, he had a con- long day. I believe he was conducting the trade at that point. I think he was asleep in his office. Or he was asleep. Who knows? Who's yeah. to say? Because he's not talking. But. Craig Conroy went on very late last night on Fan Five Nine or Fan Nine Sixty in Calgary, and re- you know it was funny because we talk about Patrick Alvey being Johnny Tightlips and maybe not giving the the media a lot. Craig Conroy broke this thing down um, in really fine detail about how the deal came to fruition and how aggressive the Canucks got. There are certain hallmarks here of a Jim Rutherford aggressive early shopping campaign. I'll just let the audio speak for itself. So this is Flames GM. Craig Conroy talking about how aggressive Vancouver became over the last 48 hours prior to making this deal and how he realized that this was the best deal that he was going to get for Elias Lindholm. Here's Craig Conroy yesterday on Sportsnet in Calgary. Yeah, you know, I kind of explained to most teams what I was looking for. I explained to all the teams that I talked to uh, what I was looking for for Lindholm. And I think when we started, you know, teams came back and they had, you know, in the general range of what I was looking for, very, you know, Everybody was given fair offers, and I thought all of a sudden Vancouver became a, a way more aggressive probably uh, two days ago. So I circled back to all the teams that expressed interest, which was, you know, there was numerous teams that had interest. Obviously, Lindholm's 
a great player. So, you know, I went back and tried to get the best offers from each, each team. And I, you know, went back to Vancouver and we arm wrestled a little bit more over, you know, I'm trying to get a little bit more and, and they're going back and forth. So, you know, I think today we kind of came out of it saying, okay, they early this morning, I congratulate Patrick on his new extension. And then he said he wanted to get this thing done today. So he, we, he came with his best offer. I maybe asked for a little bit more back. He added one little piece, the, the condition that if they go to the Western conference final, then I'll get uh, instead of the fourth, I'd get a third. So this year, so that's a little bit, you know, that's kind of the final touches. And he said, I'll get back to you. And, you know, we went back and forth a little bit more. I talked to a couple other teams and, you know, again, those teams made very good offers, but, but not quite uh, to the level of, of Vancouver's. So I know a lot of people have, a question about Lindholm's future in Vancouver, sure. i.e. how long will it be? Will Lindholm just be a rental? Now, I've been told that the Canucks are fine if he's just a rental. Like, it doesn't... If if he... If they, if they lose him to free agency um, this summer, it's not a lot. Like, they're not... They're not 100% set on re-signing this sure, guy. Sure, sure. Um, and when you ask the question, will they re-sign him? Well, it depends a lot on, I mean, three pretty big reasons. Number one, how he plays for the Canucks. Number two, how much he wants in terms of money and years. And three, um, this might be the juiciest reason, and I don't even know how much of a factor it would play, whether Petey re-signs with the Canucks this offseason. I think they're all very important yeah. aspects to this, right? Now, maybe not one supersedes the other, but they're all very important. Um, the first one that you were talking about is how he fits in with the Canucks. This is why you go shopping early. This is why Jim Rutherford has traditionally done the things that he's done. Not necessarily to give a guy a large runway or an audition for a contract extension, mm-hmm. but because it doesn't put the pressure on you for immediate results and immediate chemistry. The Canucks are at 49 games played going in to the All-Star break. That means they have uh, 33 left in the regular season for Lindholm to figure out who he might play with, who he clicks with, or more importantly, who he doesn't necessarily jive with because that's mm-hmm. important too. You want to get all that stuff out of the way. And and learning the system too. 100%. These are all things that um, you've given yourself more runway with. And I, and I love that for the Vancouver Canucks and I love it that it's, you know, we, we said going into this that Rutherford had a blueprint and he liked doing his shopping early and it just stuck to it yet again and ticked another box as they move forward. So Lindholm was not having the best season and he's close to 30 years old. I think he turned 29 in December. Um, but this is also a guy who finished, as I mentioned earlier, second to Patrice Bergeron in the Selkie race a couple of years ago when he centered Kachuk and Gaudreau. And isn't it crazy that all three of those guys are gone from Calgary now? I know. Just I, like they're gone. That, that, that entire line, which... It was not that long ago that that was probably the best scoring line in hockey. All it's gone all from gone. Calgary. All um, gone. He spent time with good, but not as good players this season, with all due respect to Sharon Govich, who's been a nice pickup for Calgary from New Jersey, and Mangiapane, they're both good players, but now he's going to get a chance to play with the likes of an Elias Pedersen. Um, so just a few more questions, because I want on the other side, I want to go into the Dunbar Lumber text line and answer a bunch of your 
uh, questions and comments. Um, what is the Canucks cap space situation now? They actually save some in this move because Lindholm's cap hit is a little bit like 600000 less than Kuzmenko's, but they still don't have much. They've got around, if you're including LTIR, I saw somewhere, they've got around $2 million. So can they still go out and get Chris Tanev, who was reportedly part of these trade talks? And the way some of the reports were made, it sounded like Tanev was like desperately trying to get into this trade. It was like, can I come? Can I come too? Can I come too? Uh, so can they still go out and get Tanev? Um, yep. And Dollywall expects them to try and go and get Tanev, but not unless they shed some salary, which is why Zadorov's name has been bandied about. Now, the Flames could theoretically retain on Tanev's contract, but... The Canucks would have to pay for that pleasure, mm-hmm. and they probably prefer uh, not to have to give up anything more than they needed to. And they still couldn't afford Tanev right now, even if the Flames retained 50%. So, you know, I know one of the questions that I've already seen in the Dunbar Lumber text line is what else do the Canucks have to sell? Um, I think their top two prospects are safe in Lekarmaki and Willander. I don't think they're giving up either of those guys for Chris Tanev. No. Um, especially with their defense not being... Like, I don't consider their defense right now to be a glaring issue. I consider it to be one of those things where if they can upgrade, it would be nice if they could upgrade. Th- there was a glaring hole, I think, in the top six. Yep. They needed another player. Because if you're thinking in pairs and hopefully... The two Eliases or Eliases or however we're going to decide to tell their say their names fit together. Pedersen and Lindholm because we know Miller and Besser can be together. Um, you know, Suter could play with either of those pairs, and there's still Mikheyev. Maybe the Canucks go out and get another winger. Who knows? But I think Lekaramaki and Vlander are safe in any Kristanov trade. Um, but they still have guys like Podkolzin and Ratu who might be attractive to a retooling team like Calgary. I actually heard from a source who thought Ratu was going to be part of a deal yesterday, hmm. which I'm glad I didn't run with, by the way, Yeah, which is why I'm not an insider. But you got sources. But I do have, yeah. Like I, well, I don't. Just, You're my yeah. source. You had the sense to not run with it. That's yeah, I was an like, insider yeah, that is yeah an exactly, insider right? Yeah. But uh, so maybe he is. Of course, he's running with it today. But I'm, That's but, true. but I'm, but I'm, but I think that I think the deal yesterday was like they discussed a bunch of options. Like I, I you know, I really do think that because Tanev, based on multiple reports, was part of the conversation. So send in your questions or comments into the Dunbar Lumber text line six fifty six fifty Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at dunbarlumber.com you are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 you're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff you're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff and what we just have to call Thomas Grant's erotica <laughs> Back to goals. Thomas 
trance erotica. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today, we are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound, real estate appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet? What are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what you're waiting for, Jason. I have some programming notes for later on in the day. I should mention that at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on Sportsnet 650, the Jeff Merrick Show is going to have on... Canucks president of hockey ops, Jim Rutherford. That's not all. Later this afternoon, another one of our fantastic Sportsnet programs, Kipper and Bourne, who bounced me yesterday, but I don't hold a grudge. <laughs> they are going to get Patrick Alvin on the show today. Right. Okay, that's good. snubbed them yesterday. <laughs> In case you have no idea what I'm talking about. I got a text from Kipper and Bourne's producer, Sam McKee. Good guy. Great producer. Text me yesterday and asked me to be on the show to talk about the Alvin extension. Mm-hmm. I said, absolutely, Sam. I would love to be on your program. Then he texted back and said, you know how I wanted you to come on to talk about Patrick Alvin's extension? We actually got Patrick Alvin. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, does that mean I'm bumped? And he's like, you're reading the room. <laughs> so anyway. And then Alvin bumped them. Yeah. You got a little busy. Right. Now, we didn't know at the time. So I was laughing. I'm like, hi, you got your comeuppance. Yeah, but then I'm like, well, no, actually, he was making a massive trade. Kipper it wasn't and, that he just didn't want to do your show. Kipper and Bourne then had to go through like the entire athletic anonymous player poll. They were like, <laughs> "Is that what happened?" Yeah, they were like, "Most punchable face." <laughs> I was like, "That's our bit. We did that yesterday." Anyway, uh, obviously, I'm I'm joking about holding a grudge. I'm not. I'm really pissed off. But they uh, so they're gonna have Patrick Elvin on the show today. So all Canucks all the time across Sportsnet 650, uh, including our next guest. Joining us now, as mentioned, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen! How excited are you? Little, are you as excited as I am? A little pep in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah of I'm, course. I'm thrilled. Yeah, I mean, Elias Lindholm, you know, he hasn't been at his best this year, but he's a really good player, and I think the fit is just about perfect. I mean... This is a guy, right-handed shot, which matters a ton in a bu- bu- bunch of various game states for the Canucks. Like, probably now their best penalty killing forward, and I still think that's huge. I know the PK has trended in a really solid direction, but it's mostly been 930 goaltending, shorthanded, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. it hasn't been the sort of thing that looks sustainable, which isn't to say that the club's PK hasn't massively improved. It has. But I think it's improved to like average, which is a huge um, boost from where it's been the two seasons previous. But when you get into the playoffs and you might match up against the Edmonton Oilers if you win a round, uh, I think it matters to, to add a, a penalty killer like Lindholm. And then, you know, his struggles this season have mostly been offensive, right? In terms of his defensive play, that's still there. In terms of his ability to drive uh, with with his transition game, with the, with the way that he plays, 
you know, that's still been there. And I, you know, I think the offensive environment in Vancouver, especially if he's playing with one of JT Miller or Elias Pedersen, a uh, couple guys that can get him the puck. Cause that's kind of what he does, right? Like this isn't a guy who's, I mean, he's a good passer. Don't get me wrong, but his bread and butter is not making creative plays with the puck. It's getting lost in space and a quick release from quiet ice that beats netminders. And that's like a perfect fit. No matter where he plays in the, in this team's top six provide, it, it, honestly, it could be a good fit on the third line too. If he took the Bluger spot, given Connor Garland's passing. So mm. I just sort of look at it, and and from just about every angle, this this deal feels consistent with. It feels a piece of a variety of this team's other moves, where you know, it, it's not about the value. It's not like did they get a steal. Did they, it's not about um, is it just a rental? Like it's just hockey fit. The hockey fit makes sense, and that's worked for them to this point. So why deviate? Um, what reasons do you have to believe that? Uh, Pedersen and Lindholm will fit together because that to me seems like the most obvious first option. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I, I don't know who plays center on that line, but I imagine McKeev is still on that line. I've liked what I've seen from Suter with Miller and Besser. I don't know if that's long-term. Who knows? The nice thing about this move is is all the versatility that you've already yeah. mentioned, but do you think it starts out with the, with the, with the two Eliases playing together? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Lindholm on the wing, but maybe taking uh, draws on his strong side. Pedersen can take draws on his strong side, right? I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, You know, Pedersen's really dangerous uh, attacking off the off wing, so if you bump him to right wing here and there, I I don't think that's a problem. Obviously, Mikheyev is, um, you know, just as, if not more comfortable attacking off his off wing, too. So even within that internal dynamic of uh, of an Ilya-Elias-Elias line, um, you know, I, I do still, I, I think that would there's still be versatility within that, that alignment. But I think the main thing is what you noted, like there's a variety of different permutations this can take, right? If you want to load up uh, Pedersen with Miller and with that Miller-Besser duo, um, you know, I, I think Lindholm can hold down a, a second line. And I, I'd actually be pretty interested to see what a suitor lindholm McKayev line could do, like even against Tufts. Um, you know, if you want to go Miller, Pedersen, Lindholm, Bluger down the middle, I, I think you have the flexibility to do that. Um, you know, I, I think there's a variety of different ways this can go, and, and all of them are interesting to me. Uh, and that's important because once you get into the, some of these various matchups come playoff time, you know, finding solutions and sometimes finding solutions proactively, like before they burn you, um, you know, in a tournament environment, that matters. So Lindholm just adds just a lot of different optionality to the deck for Rick Tockett. Hey, Drancer, just as an aside, what have you seen from Mikheyev this season? Because I feel like now that Kuzmenko is out of the picture, mm-hmm. I'm sensing in the Dunbar Lumber text line, a lot of the uh, the targets are now being set on Mikheyev. Yeah, I, I mean, his pace isn't what it was. I don't think, you know, like when I watch him play and again, this is, this is a guy whose calling card is one of the most obvious loudest skill sets in the game, which is, you know, two years ago when he was in Toronto, he was literally the fastest guy without the puck in the league. Like if there was a loose puck that caromed to use a play by play callers, favorite word, 
um, off the off the boards and like caught a defender flat footed. Like he was getting a breakaway every single time. And and that level of explosiveness, you know, I still think it's there. He's still a strong skater, but it's not, you know, ninety ninth percentile, right? Yeah. It's like it's like ninetieth percentile, mm-hmm. which is which is good. But man, that's a huge difference, right? Like it's a huge difference to be, hey, that guy might be the only guy in the league who's almost as fast as McDavid. To being like, yeah, he's a good skater. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw him, I didn't know much about him. And, like, I didn't know who he was on the ice when he was playing for Toronto. I was like, what was that rocket ship that just went by? It is is very, very noticeable. And then I was like, he's a depth player for the Leafs? And then Leafs fans were like, yeah, he's got no hands. I'm like, okay, well. And then eventually, anyway, he ended up with the Canucks. But um, Yeah, well, so I think the thing, though, is to me that burst isn't, like supernova at the moment, it's still good. And his play has still been good. Um, But I think that was hidden earlier in the year. And I think it was hidden last year too, frankly, because we haven't seen him play a single regular season game for the Canucks when he wasn't either playing on a torn ACL or within like a 12 month window uh, post-op. Right. Um, And, and really it's like in, uh, in other sports and they're different. We, we sort of talk about an 18 month window after which you'll see a player, kind of return to like, we're not going to get there this year. And, and so I do think some patience is in order. I won't be stunned if we see McKay next year and some of that speed game and play driving is back, but you know, do, do I expect it down the stretch? I don't. And, and I also do think that because of that injury context, he should be viewed a little bit differently. Like I don't think he should be criticized too harshly. Although I will note that that's, you know, impractical given the stakes of the season now. And I'd mentioned this too, the fact that he's had extremely favorable bounces, both from an on ice and a personal shooting percentage since joining the team. And, you know, it wouldn't be shocking for that to dry up a bit given his career mm-hmm. rates. Um, the back end, there were lots of reports that Tanev was part of these uh, trade conversations. Mm-hmm. Um do you see any way that the Canucks can still get Chris Tanev or significantly upgrade the defense that they currently have? I don't know about significantly. I, I, I mean, it, you know, it's going to likely require a subtraction or at least uh, 50% of money held, right? Like a, a full retention. And I think there's a lot of teams that are going to be interested in Chris Tanev. Like, I think he's going to be viewed as the best defender on the market or one of them. You know, if you were able to fold them into a deal in which you're already parting with significant assets and maybe you upgrade one of the pieces in that deal, right, that that's one thing. But I, I think the cost is going to be massive. And, you know, look, Chris Tanev coming back to Vancouver, I mean, that should be – if that happens, that should be a, you know, civic holiday in my, in my opinion. I don't want to understate the impact that I think that could have in terms of the weight that Tanev has organizationally. But – you know, I, I do think you're going to have to outbid a lot of teams that could use one more right-handed guy, and a lot of those teams are, are big-time contenders. So uh, it will be very interesting to see how it plays out, but the team's motivation in, in chasing that reunion, to me, makes perfect sense. Um, this is a very sports talk radio question, but would mm. you, if you had a choice between Zdorov on the team or Tanev on the team, which player would you choose? Oh, man, it's a good one. Uh, You know, it's a sports talk question for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think, (laughs) 
I'd probably go with Chris Tanev, but by a very, very thin margin, by a, by a snoz. Like, the, Zadorov's such a unique player, and I think he brings a lot of, like, puck moving, like, supplemental puck moving to this defense core that they need. And, you know, he, he is their biggest heavy from a play's tough perspective. You know, I, I, that matters to me. Um, I, I'd find it very difficult to understand how this team's blue line is better having subtracted that, but you can't ignore the fact that with Susie healthy, right, he's going to be on the third pair at best. And that's going to move Ian Cole over to the right side. And I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure you're not better off in the aggregate um, with sort of a, a strong side upgrade on, on your right side that would let you roll something like Susie Tanev, you know, and, and then, and then Myers and Cole to me, that just fits a little bit better, even though, you know, I, I really rate Zadorov and think he's very, very good. Uh, Patrick Alvin said yesterday, and I, I retweeted you or reposted you or re reacts to you, whatever. I don't know what you say now. Uh, you don't want to be a one. If you react to me, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be a one year hit. You have mm. to sustain it. Um, no, obviously he got a contract extension, so now his interests are aligned with keeping the team um, competitive, and so did Jim Rutherford. Um, have you? Are you mostly just thinking about the rest of this season and how it goes, or do you all do you also like a lot of our listeners think about how the Canucks can sustain this because? there are going to be some challenges keeping this group together and there will be players that are playing well for this team right now that aren't on the team next season. And somehow those spots are going to have to be filled. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Like the idea of sustainability for me is like um, a spectrum. Okay. It's a spectrum. And I think you can go too far toward prioritizing it. Just like um, you can go, not care enough about it and, and be reckless, right? The thing about sustainability is this is a system that I see the NHL system in the hard cap era as being cyclical. And when you got a shot in my view, you, especially in a market like Vancouver, where you haven't ever won, I, I think you have to be really aggressive in prioritizing the here and now, uh, you know, this is the, like flip side, the other side of the coin of, of my view about sort of really prioritizing value. If you're far away, like if you're close, you should really be prioritizing uh, the flags fly forever ideology in my view. And, and for me, then it's not all about this season, but I, I do think it is about a relatively short window. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I look at it as like, I'm just going to call it the Demco Hughes window. Right. And to me, that's, You've got this guy who's playing at a Vesna finalist level right now at five million, and you've got a defender playing at a, I don't know, some hybrid Paul Coffey, Bobby Orr <laughs> level. Yeah, um, Norris Trophy for, level. For seven yeah. seven point eight million. Yeah, and and not just Norris Trophy level, right? Like this is going to be a season that is better than most Norris Trophy seasons, right? Like this is his history at this point, uh, or at least has a chance to be if it can be sustained for another thirty five games. And 
you know, if, those, if you've got those two pieces locked in, you've got them at 12 and a half million, they're providing double that in actual hockey value. That to me is like the sort of efficiency around which you can build a contender. And, and so for me, it's like a three or four year window here. Demko has three runs. Hughes has four runs remaining on, on their deals. And, and that to me is what matters. And so, you know, like my, my preference ideally would have been to see this team if they were going to spend these types of assets. And I do think it was a significant price paid for Lindholm, um, which in no way diminishes my enthusiasm about the deal. But I, I do think it's worth noting. Um, I, you know, I would have loved to see it be for a multi-year piece, ideally. And if the Canucks swing an additional trade here, I really think it would be, would be excellent mm-hmm. if it was for a multi-year piece. Um, so for me, it's not just about this season. There's like a, a short run here where I think the club should be very much uh, prioritizing the here and now through about 2027. <laughs> that to me is that to me is it. It is sort of a, a natural window that's been formed here uh, around their star players leveling up and being locked into. To, sharp deals and and it's going to be complicated because around the periphery of that um you know the the effective pillar of that window is is a fair bit of uncertainty on a variety of high you know crucial files from Pedersen to Hronik and and on down so um you know basically yes short term let's go but also I think be mindful of like the near term right short and near term I think should be the priorities of this club based on how they performed this season. Uh, a lot of texts coming into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 asking about the package sent to Calgary and the price paid for Lindholm. Uh, let's frame the question like this. Which of the assets that the, fr- the Flames acquired will end up being the most fruitful? Well, I mean, the, the, there's so the piece of most significant consequence is the first-round pick, right? And I think people are going a little bit overboard with the this draft's bad. Like, I think it's a pretty good draft class through about 45 um, names, which is typical. I just don't think it's the draft that last year was where, where you were going to get guys who could have been top 10 picks most years, you know, in the twenties, some of them go in the forties last year. It's not that class, but it's not a sub average uh, draft class. It just doesn't really have outside of Macklin Celebrini, the like usual, like three or four, star potential forwards, but there's a lot of sick defensemen, especially in the top half of the draft. Like this could be a God tier blue line draft. So anyway, you know, the first round pick to me, that's the most material asset the Canucks parted with. Brustevich would be sort of second on that list. And, you know, this is a super volatile player type, right? The sort of undersized offensive defenseman prospect. It's really interesting because you know we've seen a lot of like adam bockfist right or brant clark struggle to establish himself or ty smith over the years like if you don't have or can't develop those like elite edges that quinn hughes has or like that one separating skill uh that some of these some of the best players in the league have you know it it can be really tough to make it uh, no matter how good you are as like a distributor running the power play, like you, you might end up a specialist or you might end up, you know, topping out as a quad a guy, but man, if those players hit, they are star players. So it's, it's a really volatile asset. And I think it's important not to diminish, you know, the value of that. There was definitely exchange value in a defender. Even if he was a third round pick eight months ago, leading the OHL in scoring, 
um, you know, really quieted his game defensively. He's not small, right? Like he's not a, he's six foot. He's uh, a sturdy guy and he's a good skater. Like to me, that's a volatile asset to part with. I don't think it's going to hurt so much as well. Cause I mean, the Canucks are making a sensible deal, but it's worth noting that, you know, there's a chance that Bruce Devich is something. Um, and there's a chance that the Canucks have sold high. I, I like the bet on, on selling high on a prospect's prospect that has popped the way he has, but you know, he, he could definitely be a player. Um, and then, you know, like Yoni Yermo, I'm not even sure if the club was going to sign him before losing his rights in June. Yeah, like yeah. I, I think that was a 50, 50, maybe, maybe even a 75, 25. And then a, a conditional pick, like, you know, that uh, it's another asset. I mean, that's, a, that's good for the flames, but I don't know that we'd call that like harmful to the Canucks. And then Kuzmenko, I mean, this is honestly the parting with Kuzmenko is part of the sneaky thing I like about the deal. I mean, they've cleared five and a half million dollars in additional mm-hmm. cap space for this offseason. You know, that brings their total flexibility. Granted, Veronica and Pedersen will eat into a lot of it, you know, up to 35, 36 million. I'd have to crunch the numbers to give you a really precise number, but uh, a good amount of cap flexibility going into the summer. Um, you know, which creates its own options, which which also creates a buying opportunity on a longer term piece uh, over the next five weeks ahead of the deadline. I mean, that to me is uh, is part of the return for the Canucks, right? It's like you paid a lot, sure, but you got Elias Lindholm and five and a half million dollars in additional cap space for next season. Um, that should be factored into the return, and is one of the reasons I think I like this deal so much. Drancer. Awesome stuff, as always. Have a good show today, and be sure to listen to the Jeff Merrick Show. In two hours' time, he's going to have Canucks President of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, on his program. Uh, sure. I mean, I'm going to go see Jim for breakfast, but... <laughs> okay. Uh, fine. You know what? Okay. Fine. Fine. You know what? Ruin my public service address where I'm telling the listeners. Anyway, uh, have fun at breakfast, dude. Talk to you later. Cheers, boys. Bye. See you, bye. Uh, that's Thomas Drance joining us, courtesy of the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call. Thomas Drance going for breakfast with Jim Rutherford. Okay, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Coming up, it's what we learn time. Here's a tease for you. I have just learned that there are no more coaching vacancies in the National Football League. We'll explain on the other side. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.